0: Welcome to Investor Insights, the wealth management podcast where we address investor needs, help you enhance your financial situation, and explore all parts of a person's financial life. And now, the host of Investor Insights, Mike Williams. Hey there, it's Mike Williams. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Today, we're going to call it a flat higher. Nothing especially new to report in a lot of big things. Uh, Call me a nut, but I never like to see the crowd get as terrified as the masses were in literally every single sentiment indicator and then quickly see that pain leave. Remember, that's kind of like taking a couple of aspirin every time you get mild headaches, and eventually you find over time you got to take like four or five aspirins to make sure that headache goes away said another way, we all know what happened to the boy who cried wolf. In essence, we don't want the masses to begin to not fear market setbacks. So rather than ramble on, let's talk about some of the big stuff, and then we'll get to that flat tire. Uh, right before the market opened this week, we had the ECB finally committing, in a real sense, to the QE process. Everybody had anticipated it for weeks. The currency markets had positioned themselves. The European markets were waiting on edge, and Mr. Draghi came out with guns blazing with further steps into the same, quote, no man's land that Bernanke took the United States many years ago. Keep in mind our thoughts on the topic. We went into this woodshed first. When I say we, that's the United States. We went into all those weird things called quantitative easing, QE1, 2, and 3. We had all sorts of government programs, and the Fed came to the rescue of the markets. But remember, the Eurozone waited quite a bit of time before they decided to take that leap. Hence, there's still probably a lot more work to do before they exit the clouded horizon that everyone finds themselves in. And by the way, remember this, the horizon is always cloudy. It only looks clear when you decide that it looks clear. So here we are with markets kind of pausing. I wouldn't be at all surprised to see some of this consolidation take place for a while. I kind of hope it does. As we've said in a couple of recent podcasts, you want this market to stay down for a bit, And then everybody, of course, is still focused on these, quote-unquote, deflationary pressures. Now, I want to tell you that we sniff a little bit something different, okay? While the entire planet of experts, recession callers, and doomsday gangs, I like to call them the, the black swan spotters, the BSS team, And yes, there's a reason there's a lot of BS in that acronym, but they all tell us that deflation, deflation, remember, deflation is sure to consume us all. It is imperative that we take a few steps back from the flame to review this bigger picture. Now, I want you to take you back a few years when, quote, inflation was going to consume us all as oil tipped the scales at $140 plus, and QE2 and 3 were still in their infancy, but surely were there to snuff out any value remaining in the dollar. Remember, that was when the dollar was too weak, and QE2 and 3 were gonna snuff it out. It's gonna be over. China's currency was going to take over the world. You do remember that. If you don't, just go back a couple years and look at the headlines in your archives. At the time we suggested this, quote, now that the entire planet is telling us that inflation will end our world again, we think we should actually begin to watch out for the real culprit, and that's deflation, end quote. Now, today, having run the gamut of global deflationary fears and hearing the exact opposite scenario, that's now set to cause the same end of the world prognosis, we suspect that soon, maybe another couple of quarters, maybe three, we're gonna begin to see inflation is actually finally beginning to spread its wings. By the way, while the lessons from experts have left the impression on all listeners that we should be literally mortified of even a whiff of inflation, be sure you remember this. You want inflation over deflation. You want pricing power. So when I say sniff, sniff, I mean this. Begin looking for the early stage benefits and signs of inflation. While everyone is speaking of nothing but deflation, we suspect the deflation monster is on life support and is snorting its last few hits of oxygen. Now, you'll note in our last uh, podcast, we talked about chuckleheads, and we talked about the funny uh, note, the funny headline about how higher oil prices will start to hurt stocks. Literally, that was 48 hours ago. Keep in mind, of course, that we're still $100 a barrel lower than the highs of 2008, and only $80 a barrel lower, or something like 78% than we were 18 months ago. Meanwhile, any bounce now is being watched because it's going to hurt the consumer. But here it is, be that as it may, the laughable headline that literally flashed up just hours ago showed us once again, by the way, while the markets were just mildly in the red, it proves to us once more that news always follows prices And it will always sound logical. But here's that headline. Indexes all turn red as oil falls. Now before I get to how funny this is, note that it, quote, fell to $36 and change. Right before this headline. $36 and change is about 30% higher than oil prices were two weeks ago. So in the last 48 hours, we have been told that higher oil prices will start to hurt stocks, and we have also been told that lower oil prices will still hurt stocks. (laughs) Look, don't get caught up in all this garbage, but back to the flat tire for a second. I would not be particularly excited about the pause in stocks. I certainly hope we can get one. Think of it as like the market got a flat tire. Remember, we talked about base camp in the lows of January, how we were kind of at a lunch stop, a base camp along the climb up of a continuous mountain. We'd rested there for months and months. We refilled supplies. We reloaded the pack mules and the jeeps with all our stuff to get onto the next leg up the mountain. That's the way investors have to look at these things. Now, what do we have? A flat tire. They call it resistance in technical terms, but it's it's a pause, a rest. That's okay. There's nothing big about it. I would not mind seeing the markets needing a little more of a rest for the reasons that we've talked about. Let's kind of hope for saying, even if it brings us back for a week or two or three. Oddly enough, remember, the longer we take a step back, the better, while the whole world frets over the next monster. Closing out, I want to give you a couple of comments. Let's talk briefly about equity risk premium. I want to tell you what equity risk premium is. It's the spread between what you get for a 10-year, what you get if you buy a 10-year treasury bond and what you get if you buy the S&P 500. In other words, the earnings percent on the overall market versus the earnings of a bond, okay? Since bonds are called secure, it's called equity risk premium. Currently, the equity risk premium is about four and a half percent, okay? Meaning, if you bought the whole market, you get about four and a half percent more earnings than if you buy a safe, quote unquote, 10-year treasury bond. (laughs) Now, I want to tell you something about that four and a half percent. It is nearly identical to the reading from 1978. Now think about that for a second. It's only a percent lower than 2009, when the world really was feeling like it was collapsing. So, listen, extremely low treasury yields are a good sign that the market is consumed by pessimism. Given that the earnings yield on equities is nearly 6% and getting a treasury bond at 1.7% in lieu of equities, that's that 450-point spread I told you about. Now, if you think about the fact that that spread shows that fear exists still and all those ugly stocks that people didn't want to buy just as badly as they didn't want to buy in the late 70s, now they don't want to buy them anymore either listen, choosing that 1.7% over 6%, that tells you that the current P-E ratio is about 14 or 15, leaving out the damage of energy for a second. Now, the P-E of a bond earning 1.7% is 58%. So even if the P.E. of the market equities were a little higher, say 16 or 17, forget the oil collapse. You're going to pick a P.E. ratio of 58 on treasury bonds? To pay so much for the presumed safety of treasuries is to have truly dismal expectations for economic growth and corporate profits. And all I can say to you is this. After 30 years of doing this, You can look at all the other times when people had such dismal views and poor expectations about the future, and every one of them was wrong. The future is brighter than we think. We should thank our lucky stars that so many people are afraid. Use red ink as your benefit. Let's pray for some more of it. Let's pray it lasts a little longer. Let's pray the earnings recessions have a couple more quarters in it because we can take advantage of that for the long-term goals that you have in mind. Hope this has helped. Thanks again for joining us. Until we see you again on the next podcast, may your journey be grand and your legacy significant.